This episode was brought to you by your wardrobe wingbirds at birdsnest.com.au. Mark, did you know you can build a wardrobe you love that's full of styles that you feel great wearing? Bird's Nest is an Australian family-owned business based in Cooma, New South Wales. They offer a huge range of clothing from sizes 8 to 24 and make it super easy to shop with advanced filters and thousands of curated outfits. So visit birdsnest.com.au. I do. I do too. It's not a competition. Birdsnest.com.au Comedy! Music! Women! Plucking! Huh? On ukuleles! Ah. In a musical comedy adventure for ears only! Two lives! True lives! Where music and comedy intertwine! Who says women can't have it all? Adventures in Suburbia. Welcome to episode eight of Sparrow Folk's Adventures in Suburbia. My name is Catherine Crowley and I play Fox. And I'm Juliet Moody and I play Lark. You guys, look how far you've made it. And as a result, we have a little treat for you. It's a bonus episode where we are going to crack open another little nugget and egg. Uh, you're going to get inside our nest and find out what actually happens behind some of these stories. Because even though they seem completely farcical and made up, some of them are not too far from the truth. <laughs> so to give you a little bit of a background of Sparrow Folk, we've been performing together for 10 years now, doing tours all around Australia, and uh, we've been friends for probably almost twice as long as that. Well, not really. We're not that old. <laughs> Jules, who's your favourite character in adventures in suburbia one of our favorite characters in the podcast was creepy bob and i have to say creepy bob was so much fun to play but he was also fun because he's loosely based on a character that we met during a very (laughs) awkward recording session kathy you remember this one don't you oh i remember like it was just last night Guys, let me set the scene for you. So this is the first time that Sparrow Folk has ever recorded. We're nervous. We turn up to this old shack in the middle of a suburb in Canberra. (laughs) So imagine this. There's a house, there's a studio at the back, and it's dark. Fox and Lark peered out the car window at the recording studio in front of them. Oh, this isn't a recording studio. It's a house. The front door opened and Fox and Lark got their first glimpse of... Bob. Is he wearing a kimono? Is he wearing anything under the kimono? Fox, are we going to be murdered? Think Keith Richards, wiry, small, he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt, no shoes, shorts. And we enter the space and he's like, sounds a lot like the way that Juliet has played Creepy Bob. Bob Schlinger, creative director of Aphrodite. The studios in the back come through. Now we record for the rest of the night. We finish at about 1.30 in the morning. We're exhausted. Our producer says, now you have to give some cash to to (laughs) Creepy Bob (laughs) Uh, just on your way out. He wouldn't accept the cash at the beginning of the night. Just give it to me at the end, girls. It's all good. So as we were walking out, we knocked on his door. And then he opens the door and he's wearing a dressing gown. (laughs) He's definitely wearing undies. I know that because we could see them. And he beckons us in. Give me a moment, ladies. I've got to push me buttons. 
Unless you wants to push me buttons. <laughs> all good, thanks, Bob. We're like, oh no, it's far too late. We're, it's all good, Keith Richards. We'll be fine. And we tried to give him the money, and he <laughs> he says, oh no, no, no. Maybe there's another way we can work this out. Sit down, have a wine. And we're like, oh, no, 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 please take our money. And this must have gone on for about 10 minutes, I suppose, with him trying to offer some alternative without actually describing what the alternative was. Now, Jules and I didn't want to know what the alternative was. We wanted to give him the money. And we weren't exactly sure how much the hire was, so (laughs) he just wouldn't explain how much we had to give him. In the end, I think we threw the cash at him and ran out of there as quickly as we could. Who wants that? Cuddle. Uh, no, 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 not me. Nope. Someone's gonna give me a cuddle. Fox and Lark quickly assessed their nearest exit. Oh, excuse me, Bob. All right, I would love everyone to know about the story behind some of the great songs that are in Sparrow Folk. And some of these songs were penned by the beautiful Lark. Lark, please tell our crowd about where the impetus for Ruin Your Day came from, Love the Vagina, um, Accidental Genital (laughs) Attention. Well, I, I feel like sometimes the songs that have really soared for us have often come from places of... Uh, real life encounters that have left me a little bit hurt or enraged about something. Um, Ruin Your Day was written not long after my last baby was born and I was confronted by a young man when I was breastfeeding in public. You want a cup of tea, hey, Janie? Wow. Breasts are amazing, aren't they? It was at that moment Lark noticed a pair of uni students looking at her feeding bosoms in shock. Why don't you just take a picture? Wait, that was sarcastic. You, oh, bloody hell. He he said some, something to me like, have some respect for yourself. Um, and I kind of went home and thought, oh, I'm going to write a song, this passionate song about trying to empower women that this is okay. And it ended up just being a comedy. When I'm out getting a bite to eat or meeting people on the street, Always thinking to myself, would you like to see them? They've never been this big before. Come on, what you're waiting for? Oh, oh, don't give me that awkward look. Like you really don't want to see them. Everybody knows new mothers are exhibitionists. Taking every chance they get to ruin your day with tits. Pretending they're Love the vagina, tell us. Love the vagina, yes. Um, Again, I think this came about after, again, having four kids, you kind of left with um, different lady bits than when you started. (laughs) And I really feel that uh, in this show, Paul and Catherine have just written Lark's character so beautifully because it probably has come out of some of my own frustrations after childbirth and and dealing with the changes to your body. And I I think that we're so hard on ourselves as women and and uh, you often hear these terrible stories of people um, saying, let's put extra stitches in or something to fix our vagina. Um, and I just think let's just accept things as the way they are. And um, I think Love the Vagina was just, it, it was probably a very specific body empowerment 
message that seems to have translated quite well. Ladies, listen up, this bit's for you. Yeah. Makeovers are for faces or revamping your head too. Don't stress over those vaginal mishaps. Oh no. There's no need to modify or reinvent your flaps. Now, I know you're reluctant to tell this story, but <laughs> I want everyone to hear about accidental genital attention. Mm, mm. Tell us the truth. Look, it is an, we often get questioned about this song because it does seem to be a odd topic to address <laughs> in a musical number. Um, but I have to say there have been a few memorable moments where you really don't want to engage with somebody's genitals and you do accidentally. It does happen, but the impetus for this particular song was we had been on the radio on a comedy panel with women, amazing comedians, and it was a male presenter on the radio, I'm not going to say the station, <laughs> who decided at the end of this amazing experience being on on this panel with three or four other women that he wanted to recreate that iconic Kylie Minogue photo where she's kind of lying across all these really hunky men. So he decided that he was going to be um, in the kind of the subject of the photo. We were going to hold him up. So we all stood there kind of dutifully with our hands out (laughs) waiting to kind of hold this guy up for the photo Except he, when he went to pose for the photo, he actually went face down onto our hands and I was in the middle. A lucky position. at that moment, (laughs) at that moment, I felt something in my left hand and I kind of just, as you do, (laughs) did a bit of a investigation to work out what it was and went again and then I realised that I was actually accidentally genitally giving someone attention and drop my hands and then it caused a natural domino effect <laughs> where he fell to the ground um was highly embarrassed i felt mortified that i'd done this and we've never spoken about it since <laughs> lock it down lock that down i was working at my desk with gary roberts from accounts various amounts mistakenly made his heart pounce I was entering a four brushes bits with my poor I'm not the office for accidental genital attention office politics take another dimension hit with sexual harassment intervention accidental genital attention awful lot of very strange gigs in our podcast and I do think they come from a place of truth. Yeah, that cutlery festival. It's the National Fork Festival, the nation's premier cutlery and serving utensils expo. The shopping mall (laughs) performance. Oh my god, it's a kids talent show. What's Magnus thinking? 
Well, there are lots of adults in the crowd. Yeah, because Kmart has a sale on undies. I mean, these are iconic examples, similar to what we've had in real life. And I have to say that some of the great serendipities that have happened during this podcast is that Catherine and Paul have written these incredible scripts. And then when we've gone to read them and we've spoken about it, they're true. They're true stories. So it's almost like our wonderful writers are inside our lives and they know exactly what we've been through. Yeah. Remember that scene, everyone, where the gynecologist recognises Lark? Dr. Lush popped her head up over the screen. What? Have you heard of Sparrowfolk? Oh my goodness, you are Sparrowfolk. Fox gave an embarrassed grin to the begloved doctor between her legs. Always nice to meet a fan. I'd shake your hand, but I'd best get back to it. It's a true story. We've always said that how amazing would it be if someone recognised us in public that doesn't actually know us for anything other than Sparrow Folk. And, uh, yeah, I have to say we didn't think it through because we didn't put caveats on it and go except for these places. And, um, yeah, the first time I was ever recognised was midway through a pap smear <laughs> and <laughs> my GP stopped, looked me in the eye, looked up <laughs> and said, hang on a second, you're from Sparrow Folk. And I just didn't know what to say because I was – it was – I was – Mixed with glee because I was recognised and then also dread that now she had seen my deep inside. <laughs> so remember that. this too, surely, Cathy. Uh, oh, yes. We've had some really awkward ones. We went to a festival where all the women's showers were open showers and we were camping because we thought that was a good idea. And when we turned up to the shower and we were waiting in line about to get butt naked in front of this entire room full of women, we were recognised. <laughs> There's nothing like being recognised before you're about to get naked to fill you full of confidence about your lady bits. Mm, mm. I mean, we're all about confidence with your lady bits, but mm, maybe not when you're about to go up on stage straight after. It's It changes your showering experience. <laughs> you know when you're nervous about something and you say, just imagine the crowd naked. Well, now it works the reverse. Mm, that's right. They can actually imagine us naked. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. I thought it would be weirder being naked in the bath with you. To non-public nudity. Cheers. Also, probably there's been the reverse where we've presumed that we've been recognised and um, if you remember from the final episode, Beryl in the Street, that's actually a, um, a bit of a recreation of something happened to me. Oh, excuse me, dearie. Lark moved to the pram to let an older woman step past them on the pavement. We first got onto the scene in Canberra because we won ACT exhumed competition and the next day I was walking around Woden shopping mall with this kind of glow of success, pushing my baby around and got stopped in the street and this old lady came over to me and she said, Oh, you too. Congratulations. And I just was like, oh, my goodness, this lady must have been at the competition. She must have seen me. I said, thank you. It was an amazing time. We just had such a great night. We can't believe we won. And she looked at me and she said, oh, uh, I, I meant congratulations on the baby. Oh, right. <laughs> and I went, oh, yeah, him. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. <laughs> what a way to bring your ego back down to earth. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. 
Obviously, there are a couple of songs that didn't make this season of the podcast. Um, who knows? When we come back, maybe they'll be in season two. Mm-hmm. But um, they're always favourites amongst our parents. Um, one is Grumpy Little Manny. Yep, that's right. Yes, darling, it's a special day. There is definitely a mum line that we have to check because we're like, are we happy to cross the mum line? <laughs> Which is the line where our mums would disapprove of what we were singing about. Uh, yeah, my my mum was also a big Sparrow Folk fan. Um, I think her favourite song was Grumpy Little Manny and um, when I was writing that I was on holidays with her and I was just throwing lines to her. <laughs> And my mum, for those people who know her, uh, was not someone <laughs> who used to speak of um, anything to do with sex or <laughs> things like that. So it was quite a shock for me that she got such enjoyment out of that song. Yeah, we and, needed to move uh, the mum line a bit then, didn't we? We needed to move the mum line further up. She, she, I think she considered herself a bit of a co-writer on that song. She probably was. When he's a grumpy little man, he can't get inside my fanny. My cock blocking skills Well they are just uncanny And though he beg and though he plead He won't get to sow his seed I was terrified the first time that my parents came to see our show. And as we were doing it, I was thinking, oh, right, that's right. This is who's in the audience. (laughs) But my parents, God bless them, they had listened to all our CDs. And my dad actually mouthed the words along as we were singing them. That's how committed he is to feminist musical comedy. I'm so proud of him. I'm proud of that moment. I love it. I actually use your dad as a bit of a prompt sometimes if I start to forget my life. <laughs> so I look down and he's mouthing the words back at me. But it's great too because sometimes your parents now give us song ideas. They're so into it. I think, oh, they think yeah. they're part of the band. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love that. One Unwarranted suggestions. Love it. Um, my dad, on the <laughs> other hand, 
has kind of hijacked a lot of um, our shows. He, I think he kind of fancies himself as a bit of a comedian himself. He's proud. He's very proud of us and wants to show us off to his various new girlfriends. And one particular show that we did, we were singing away first song and I could hear someone talking really loud and I was thinking someone's on their phone or they're talking to someone in the crowd. I didn't know what was going on. And I looked down and there is my dad holding up his phone because he was on FaceTime to his new girlfriend in the <laughs> Philippines with the sound on. All I could hear is, which one's your daughter? And I was trying to get my dad to put the phone away during the set going, dad, dad, put it away, put it away, turn it off like this. I guess, I don't know whether it was a good thing or a bad thing that most of the audience thought it was part of the show and kept coming up at the end um, of the set to say, that bit you did with your dad, that was hilarious. And I was like, yeah, wasn't it? It was just priceless. I love it when we're singing New Year's Eve, which is about older parents having sex, and he points to himself. (laughs) He always sits up the front and he always points to himself (laughs) during that song. That brings me so much joy. Oh, yes. Well, I'm glad he's proud of it. I think he does the big thumbs up, like, that's me, guys. <laughs> I, I was worried my parents wouldn't want to own up that they were in that song, but one of them is very proud. Oh, proud as punch. It's okay, though, because my parents don't have sex, so it's fine. <laughs> no, I, I wrote it about your parents after talking to them. What? That you're all looking forward to New Year's Eve, spending time with family. No, not me, I'm not in that category Don't get me wrong, I used to love that special holiday We'd laugh and drink the night away Remembering our yesterday But now I wish I had no memory at all That's when my parents dropped the bomb They said... Yes, we're 16, we're still having sex Dad still gets a heart on at the sight of my big breasts And dare I mention, Mum loves downstairs attention <clears throat> Hearing that my parents still like to fornicate I didn't take the news that great I began to discombobulate Images haunted me, so terrifying and servile Mum and Dad going at it doggy style Wanna shove my head into an excrement pile And now I wish all my memory had gone But they went on and on Dad said, yes I'm 60 and I still love to tip I'm quite the mover, despite my dicky hip And these new blue pills, well, they give me longer thrills Then Mum said Yes, I'm 60 and I still love to ride Now that you've moved out, darling, we no longer have to hide Yesterday afternoon, we did it in your old bedroom Too soon Sex at 60 is still mighty fine Sixty. 
our gigs have been terrible. We've had some pretty amazing ones. Set against the beautiful backdrop of Threadbow, we played for this wonderful local Kuma company called Bird's Nest. Guys, you must go and check out this gorgeous company, www.birdsnest.com.au. More details are in the show notes, so check them out. They have got a wonderful range of clothing. I'm not trying to just sell them, guys, but they did support this podcast and they have been huge supporters of Sparrowfolk since that first corporate gig a long time ago. They started in little town Kuma, um, but now they're a worldwide amazing brand. So check them out. And an absolutely huge shout out to Arts ACT for supporting women's voices in the ACT. It would not have been made without their help. So thank you so much. Guys, if you like what you hear, please share it with 9,999 of your friends so that we can make season two. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Kathy and I are so grateful from starting plucking away on our little ukuleles when it was just two of us in our lounge rooms um, to now being able to get through the airwaves into your ear holes. It's an absolute dream come true. So thank yeah. you for listening. Yeah. Sparrow Folk Adventures in Suburbia was created by Kathy Crowley, Juliet Moody, Paul Bissett and Catherine Prosser based on characters created by Kathy and Juliet. All the roles were performed by Kathy and Juliet, who also wrote the music and lyrics. Paul and Catherine produced the podcast and wrote the scripts with additional material by Kathy and Juliet. Catherine directed and Paul did the audio design and engineering. Sparrowfolk Adventures in Suburbia is a Magenius production in association with Sparrowfolk and was produced on Ngunnawal land in Canberra, Australia. This podcast was supported by funding from the ACT government through Arts ACT. Stay in touch with us on Instagram at Fox and Lark or email us at thenest at sparrowfolk.com. Just remember, Sparrowfolk has a hyphen in the middle. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.